Welcome to Discovery with Babbitt Ranches. Discovery is all things Cowboy Essence, people at their best, accomplishing extraordinary achievements. Cowboy Essence is defined by the character qualities we admire in others. Inspired by the cowboy culture, the code that guides Babbitt Ranches. Hello, I'm Billy Cordasco. Learning, participating, and improving describes day-to-day life on the ranches. Through the years, Babbitt Ranches has developed an outstanding cattle herd that fits with the southwestern high desert environment and an award-winning horse program that has led to an important tradition, the annual Hash Knife Colt Sale at Spiderweb Ranch Camp. With every new calf and every new foal, you can be sure it has been touched by the heart of Babbitt Ranch's ranch manager, Victor Howe. In part two of this Discovery podcast featuring Victor Howe, Vic will share the challenges and rewards of a lifetime of caring for the livestock and people of the ranches. Seems like it's the people side of things, making those relationships where their people are are working together the best that they can. So if you get that right, the other stuff will kind of fall into place. More from Vic in a moment, but first, Discovery with Babbitt Ranches acknowledges the Working Ranch Cowboy Association and its mission to promote ranching on a national and international level and to preserve the lifestyle of the Working Ranch Cowboy. The WRCA has sponsored the World Championship Ranch Rodeo for 25 years, where highly skilled working cowboys like the Babbitt Ranch's 2020 team showcase their talents in the ultra-competitive ranch rodeo. Joining me again in the Hash Knife Studio is Babbitt Ranch's ranch manager of 30 years, Victor Howell. In the early 90s, we were visiting, and I remember you just can't be just straight ranching. We need to diversify and do different things, whether it's minerals or just all the different resources that you have. And anyways, through that, one of the thoughts was to expand the horse program. I don't remember the exact year, but I think it was along around 94, early 90s, that we decided that we would maybe go buy another stud. The ranch had always just had two studs and 25 mares or so, and maybe um, expand that a little bit. Anyway, so just kind of went to work on it. And the timing, really, we're very blessed. We wound up picking up a stud, cowboy drift, that bloodline that he had, and then there Long about the same time that we were doing this, the there was a resurgent in foundation breeding in the American Quarter Horse Association. Cowboy Drift, and through marketing and whatnot, wound up fairly popular name out there. Anyway, so that just really was the spark that kind of got it rolling to the next level. Back at that time, we were like, wow, what are we going to do when we don't have Cowboy Drift anymore? The whole thing was built on him, but it really it really transitioned and went went on from cowboy drift oh we just had different studs at one point you think well you know we're not going to have a program without cowboy drift but that's not how it wound up going at all it wound up going where the identity was not about cowboy drift but it was hash knife horses and foundation horses and yeah i have a definitely a passion for good horses there's something to be said that good cowboys ride good horses there's just it's no different than in pride in your cattle or the horses or just having pride in what you do so we have a a lot of a pride to ride a good horse and it's really been a blessing god has blessed it and thankful for that and have enjoyed it all the way 
So during that period of time, what was keeping you entertained with your family? We did all kinds of things with the girls. We did 4-H and rodeoed with them, and we'd go to high school rodeoed. I went to high school rodeos for 12 years there. No, I think it was 11. So that's just kind of how the girls' ages fell. But we started with junior rodeo, oh, back when Victoria was about eight. And anyway, so for 20 years there, we went to either junior rodeo, and then we transitioned on up to high school rodeo. That was a wonderful, wonderful season of life. Very much enjoyed having the girls teaching them how to, to rope and do their rodeo events. And we had some successes at it and some highs and lows like everybody does. And then also then we did the 4-H thing with the girls. And then also along with that, just raising a family, all the girls learned how to be cowgirls. Just the other day, Victoria called me and they were weaning cattle and working their her husband and Scott and the whole family over there in Tucumcari. And she just said, you know, I just want to thank you that you taught me how to do this. And we had such a wonderful day with the family, all the girls, and then the oldest granddaughters married and the son-in-law came. So just passing that baton down, Vicki was just had a great day and just wanted to call and thank me for teaching her the cowboy lifestyle. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Yes. Through those same years, there's lots to do on a ranch to keep it intact and keep it efficient, you know, workable. So what are the what are some of the broader categories and projects and things that, you know, over those years you had to stay focused on? Oh, well, on a ranch, there's always, there's no end to what you can do. I mean, you're always, if you would like to f- fix up a bunkhouse, you'd like to fix up a set of krells. So it's just a continual process. You want to build a shop or... You want to add to a house here and make this a two-bedroom, or I mean a three-bedroom. And just as we go along, it's like, well, what can we, what we, can we do to make this a better, efficient ranch? And, and with that comes having some good equipment. And it's just the whole big picture, keeping your fences up, keeping your equipment in good shape, keeping your, all oh, the tanks cleaned out, just on and on and on. Babbitt's has an unbelievable, outstanding reputation for their high standard on their ranch. And we're proud of it, and we're proud to be a part of it. And with that also comes things like the bulls, calling cows, doing other things with the livestock, medical programs, all these different things. So that's a big part of those projects as well. absolutely. Trying to make the cow herd the best that they can be, trying to make the horse herd the best that it can be. And just trying to have support for the employees so that they can be the best that they can be. And then with that, been a few trips to Nebraska over the years, not just for buying bulls, but looking at feed yards. And then going through the years, bringing in some black Angus on the Herefords and then red Angus, but also homegrown bulls. So that's been quite an adventure for us. It has, yes. We went to Nebraska for 30 years and got Hereford bulls. And that was great. At the same time, the industry, the Hereford industry kind of went a direction where the bulls were maybe we felt like too big for our environment. So we decided that the bulls that we were getting in in the Midwest were not working on the ranch as well as they had in the past. And so we started raising our, our own bulls. And we're at right at the moment, everything's always in transition. 
and you're just trying to do the best you can. But at the same time, right at the moment, we like where we're at with that program as well. Excited about the Red Angus, thinking that that is going to be a positive, and we're excited for it to rain and get going again. What is the value of going and visiting those feed yards throughout those years, you know, to see the cattle once they've been shipped and, you know, are being unfed? Well, it just keeps us current. So in other words, to go and ship the cattle and then go to the feed yard and visit with them keeps you kind of current on what's going on out there, where the industry's headed that you can partake in, or you're just like, you know what, this is not something that is going to work for us. We are in a big arid Arizona ranch and what works in Kansas or Nebraska you know some of it will work but not all of it and so we just try to take the parts that are that we feel like that we can use and um, just try to be open-minded be open to changes that come along in the industry but at the same time not be chasing the fads. Sitting here just right now there's a younger person getting ready to see if their passion takes them down this road. What would you say? visit a little bit with you about some thoughts. What would those thoughts be for that person? Yeah, if you have a passion that you want to be a um, ranch manager or um, be in the cattle industry, just go get them. Dig in there, talk to everybody that you can, and learn as much as you can, and be open to who knows where things are going to change. It's amazing how much things have changed just with this virus thing just recently and all this, the media and how things are going and things are going to change so i would just tell that person just take to it and learn as much as you can and have a good time along the way is there anything in particular you can think of that might need to be addressed as we move forward with you know the livestock operations and you know what maybe some of those thoughts are seems like it's the people side of things making those relationships where their people are are working together the best that they can so if you get that right The other stuff will kind of fall into place. Expand that to the ranch or, you know, to your community or whatever. We've got so caught up in doing things, the relationships don't get taken care of maybe as that they should. So anyway, if we can keep the relationships intact and keep the family, it's biblical how God designed the family and it just carries out from there. That's what I would say. If you can stay focused on having that right, things will probably work out. So Vic, here we are now with kind of an unprecedented drought, at least for our country. What are the, the thoughts and strategies that are going into the decisions and also really kind of just the disposition that goes behind that as well? You can only do what you can do at the time. So to say that you got a strategy, I don't know that I could say, okay, I got a strategy to get through this. It's a little bit like my cancer. It's one day at a time. We'll make a decision based on that information that we have on today's factors, and we will go from there. So it seems like, oh, Labor Day is a lot of times a pivotal point. And this year we kind of made that decision here before Labor Day to sell the calves off the cows, which was the first time we'd ever done that to this level. So we made that decision you could call that a strategy if you wanted to, but to me, it's not. It was, um, this is what we're going to do for this fall. When we get the calves weaned off, we're going to sit back and say, okay, here's where we're at. Can we run this amount of cattle here? What is our next move? 
So we're just going to work through it one day at a time, one week at a time, one month at a time, however you want to say it. And then when it rains, we'll deal with that. And then when you get grass, you say, well, you make that decision. Are you going to keep calves? Are you going to buy cattle or are you going to take pasture cattle? What do you do to get back in the mix? And anyway, then we just deal with that at that time. When that comes about, we'll feel our way like we always have and go from there. Oh, and then of course we should add to that. What is the great thing about a drought? You get to clean dirt tanks. Right. So that, we've got about most of those tanks clean. Right. Now. So also, we're so happy. We're going to have to come up yeah. with another one. Right. Well, we'll work on it. But it <laughs> does remind us that we are a part of an industry and business that really is solely based on rain and grass and other weather conditions. And we'll see the opportunities as you do, whether it's abundant grass and rain or lots of dust and dirt and empty dirt tanks. Really, what you do is you see it the same each day and that your job is to make the best decision for that day and know that you'll get to make more decisions the next day and then to ultimately be very grateful for the way it is regardless of maybe how it seems you've certainly been consistent uh, always that way (laughs) we'll keep on keeping on you keep on keeping on and and fight the good fight fight the good fight and it's not just about dirt tanks but a lot about our life too one step at a time do you remember the joke we started out with? I do. Okay, let's the hear bow, it. The bow-legged cowboy or the fly? The, well, no, let's hear the bow-legged cowboy. The, the, why Why did they have to let old uh, bow-legged cowboy go? Right, why? Because he couldn't keep his calves together. Right. Well, look, right. <laughs> look, Vic, next time you get to ask me the questions, and that'll be fun too, but thank you very much for this today. Thank you, and Bill. Anyway, we'll, okay. uh, well let it all go from there. Huh? All right, thank all you. Right. All right. That was Babbitt Ranch's ranch manager of 30 years, Victor Howell. And you've been listening to Discovery with Babbitt Ranches. Again, I'd like to acknowledge the Working Ranch Cowboy Association and the important work this organization does to promote ranching and preserve the lifestyle of the Working Ranch Cowboy. You've been listening to Discovery with Babbitt Ranches, a monthly podcast exploring all things cowboy essence in land stewardship, conservation, science, agriculture, recreation, business, and community. It's through our efforts of learning and understanding, Babbitt Ranches, a family business and pioneering land company, raises livestock, manages natural resources, promotes science, and participates in the broader community in order to join, share, and to do the very best we know how. Thank you for listening. I'm Billy Cardasco.